Warning, the following content contains sounds. Some sapients of Homo have episodic memories with undesired correlation sensations with particular sounds depending upon their mood and personalities. Although many attach their identities with notions and actions, the mockery that is included in here is directed towards the latter two and not the first. Having said that, hello, welcome to Correlation Sensations, a show where I talk about your mother's mammalian protuberances. Yes, yes. Mm. Right, folks, you have filthy little ears, so go clean them right now. I'll wait. And uh, while I wait, I will contact the one they call Void. Got to find his number here. My phone is a little old. Doesn't do very well. Uh, where is he? Oh, here we go. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Four, zero, two, is not available. I am completely... At the tone, please record your message. Not when you finish amused. recording, you may hang up or press one yeah, or yeah, more options. Who is that lady who answers for you at your phone and asks for a message? Huh? I told you I was going to call you. I told you what time I call you out of all beings have chosen not to answer. Maybe I should go find find someone else, hmm? Maybe I should uh, put an ad on the Craigslist for new host of a greatest show on the planet Earth. Huh? Well, I guess I ought to leave you alone. If I talk too long, I don't know what will happen. The longer it takes for me to get off the phone, the more insecure I feel about how much time I do have to record this message. And I don't know what kind of deal you have. Maybe it'd be too expensive to record much longer, you know? I was wondering, uh, have you, have you stepped outside today? It was a pretty decent day, I tell you what. I go walk, I hear the tweet tweet birds. Dean, I got to tell you something. I heard. I heard one of those birds do one of their mating calls, and when they do their mating calls, I uh, I whistle back, much to my chagrin. What occurred after that 
was a very, very interesting uh, situation we got there. The bird, the bird hopped on my head. And then he started on me. You know what I mean? Like a duck fat situation. Anywho, I got a message. I think it's from you. Goodbye. We'll try again, huh? Hello? Um, this is Gork. Yes, hi. How's it going? Ah, uh, pretty good. I left you a lengthy message. Okay. Sorry, I was busy because drum set arrived, so I've been doing that. I can call back again once we're done. Oh, yeah? Uh, Wait, once... Who's we? Ah, uh, father. Father? Yes. Uh-huh. I see what you do. Set her okay. come to most important thing we got sent on the mission for. You go play with your human dad. Yes. You son of a bitch. Okay, he's expecting me. No! Okay. I, I will call back. Yeah. Uh -huh. Put it on his terms, huh? I see what he do there, huh? Shows how much he care. He'd rather go bang something than to come over here and talk. Anywho, we're going into topic now. This book on interpretation, folks. If, uh, if you don't find me to be, uh, very uh, attractive in my voice, in how I speak, then you best uh, wait for the next episode. This book is like the first book I read to you about categories. Yeah, it's much like that, except more, more boring than taking a long, drawn-out stool. Anywho, much like last book, I want to slip into uh, the substance of the beginning of the book, as if you actually took your time to read this ridiculous document, which is also free if you're interested. I don't know why you would be on MIT. Mm -hmm. Just Google it. Google On Interpretation by Aristotle. Then in all caps, MIT, and guess what? You will definitely find it. Unless if you don't, and it's like five years from now, and MIT's website got shut down. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. Incoming quote, part one. First, we must define the terms. Noun in the verb. In the terms denial in affirmation. Then proposition and sentence. I hope you like that voice. I do it just for you. Not for my amusement. No, no, no. Spoken words are the symbols of mental experience. And written words are the symbols of spoken words. Whoa. Just as all men have not the same writing. So all men have not the same speech sounds, much like me. But 
the mental experiences which these directors symbolize are the same for all, as also are those things of which our experience are the images. This matter has, however, been discussed in my treatise about the soul, for it belongs to an investigation distinct from that which lies before us." End quote. That's very nice, Aristotle. I'm glad you had your assumptions there, buddy. So, I want you all to hold your oral and anal gas explosion for just a moment there. <gasps> yes. First, in the last episode, I wrongfully and painfully and obviously assumed that the soul was uh, something referred to as the essence, therefore a must be the substance in Aristotle's eyes. That was wrong. It was as painful as sitting directly on a thumbtack. Yep. The damn list clearly said on the saw, aka De Anima, which was the fifth title in the book set referred to as Organa. Remember last episode? Which is somehow something that fits inside of that collection alongside the physics. Also, further on down the list is the book in Latin called De Spiratu, which is translated on a breath, like the one called Hippocrates. I have some content on him as well, so if you haven't listened to those episodes, hit pause and listen to those first. Yeah, do it. You don't want to go all about in history, read the narrative, you know. You don't want to try to climb upstairs, jump five steps, walk backwards two, jump six. Yeah, you know. I wouldn't be surprised at my error in thought. Damn human brain. But I think that uh, Numa might have something to do with it. Because spiritu is said to be Latin for breath, while spiritus is Latin for spirit. In Numa is also a word referred to as the spirit or breath. If I'm not mistaken, it was Hippocrates, yep, who first talked about it. Then I found out by source number six, research gate, that although the soul and spirit are sometimes also interchangeable, the spirit is that which isn't within the body, which confused me further when I recalled that many people refer to alcohol as spirits because alcohol is within the body of the bottle, or the belly. So, I searched that too. Source number seven, Stack Exchange, proposed that the concept came from uh, the gases being released by tinctures during the incubation process, i.e. fermentation, specifically from India. So, when I flatulate, I now know I have a little bit of my soul being excreted, becoming a spirit released into the atmosphere to either go closer or run away from some uh, unannouncing deity. I also have a feeling that my spirit will be uh, fanned away even if it gets closer to that almighty what have you. Back to topic. So, we now know that you are a noun because you are a thing. And I am verbing right now because that is what you do. You do a verb. A verb is what you do. I just hope you and the verb are happy now. 
and is consensual. This would explain why Aristotle wanted to then go into denial and affirmation. Because if you do a verb and said verb denied you, you aren't being affirmed. You're just raping verbs. What the hell are you doing raping the verbs anyways? And what would you do with a verb that you can't do with another noun? Back to the topic. Yin Aristotle went into uh, how we need to agree on the propositions and what they mean, along with sentences. I would have preferred Aristotle to start off this whole entire quote I said as this. I have a proposition for you. First, you must understand that you use propositions with sentences in order to uh, be the noun, which does the verb. Prior to being the noun, which does the verb, you must understand the difference between affirmation and denial. Otherwise, if you are denied by the verb and you still become the noun which does said verb, then there will be a different type of sentencing regarding your feature as being a noun and what you do as a noun. Yep, I'm just saying. That would have totally avoided all confusion whatsoever, right? I don't have much to say regarding the claim that written words and spoken words are symbols reflecting the mind, which is exerted in various ways, but the assertion that all mental processes are the same kind is, um, how you say, interesting? Interesting, you know, like watching a dog with some prion disease, you know, where it's just walking up against the wall and just walking into the wall, you know, look it up. It shows that Aristotle didn't bother speaking concise or didn't understand the complexity of a varying degrees of happiness and all the corollaries which depend on the person's memories involved in the feeling that is being expressed. Some forms of happiness are not so powerful from habitual practices of expressing the emotion as openly and exaggeratedly as possible. Even then, some are just keeping a good straight face while they desire to burst into laughter from being ridiculous, but for some reason want to appear serious, either for comedic effect for some weird reason, or they are afraid of looking weak. Like how Socrates was talking about people and their emotions from Plato's book. Yep. I haven't even gotten into how let down I am about choosing that table I found on the internet because either the author who concocted such a ridiculous table didn't really read the works of Aristotle or they had their own notions on how to organize the works of Aristotle. Even though to some certain degree Aristotle indicated which ones belonged before and after. Now I have no idea what Aristotle wrote about regarding the soul and that would be ridiculous to assert any more about that, so I will not. Aristotle also made an error when he isolated himself so much to the point where he didn't take into account of people having different opinions on reality, such as beauty. If Aristotle recalled in his other book on the categories, he could have seen that uh, with such a statement, knowledge is a predicable of grammar, then he'd recognize how ridiculous this uh, First real paragraph in this current book is evaluating. If anything is predicable of anything, experience is predicable of expression. Much like thoughts, 
speech includes statements said to be correct and incorrect, and also without any correctness inherently. Aristotle proposed that the combination is expressed by correctness and separation with falsity. Nouns and verbs are without combination or separation, as long as nothing is added to them. To finish part one, Aristotle used the word goat stag, claiming that it is neither right or wrong. It is just nothing, until one begins to add more shit to it. I would like to now initiate the part two with a quote for the consumer of this media. <clears throat> quote, part two. By a noun, we mean a sound significant by convention, which has a no difference to time, and of which no part is significant apart from the rest. In the noun fair steed, the part steed has no significance, and in and by itself, as in the phrase fair steed. Yet there is a difference between simple and composite nouns. For the former, the art is in no way different, in no way significant. In the latter, it contributes to the meaning of the whole. Although it is not an independent meaning, thus in the word pirate boat, the word boat has no meaning except as part of the whole word. I'm starting to think uh, that voice not good on my vocal cords. But that quote, I would say it's a load of pirate boat, goat, stag, horse shit. I mean, shit is significant because shit is always shit. And although it depends on the moments proceeding, such a shit that was made possible by Aristotle's horse mind, it is still shit which came out. I mean, there is a reference to time in a noun. If you think about it, shit references the time after a certain point in digestion. A dot references a certain time past a certain age, which is arbitrary, unless if one forms a scientific definition. But anyways, shit references the time after a certain point of digestion. At one point, shit was food, right? After a certain time, the food became shit. Then, for Aristotle to propose that the steed is not a significant in the word by itself, then you have no idea what you're thinking about when you think of steed. I mean, I think a lot of uh, powerful Mustangs are out there when I think of the word steed. Balderdash. Then Aristotle took it a step further with more nonsense. The simple noun has no significance. Significance is a matter of perception. I accept that. Some may say my cock is not significant, but when I put it inside of a verb, I hear all these grandiose claims about how powerful it is. Then, to put the final turd on his shit Sunday, he thinks the term boat is not significant. I wonder if he meant it pales in comparison to the word pirate boat. If he spoke so ambiguously, then no wonder why a lot of people did not go along with Aristotle's thoughts. If Aristotle was actually a good philosopher, then why didn't Alexander the Great take him alongside with him? Instead, Alexander the Great traveled and conquered, leaving Aristotle alone, while he then created the biggest library, not even in the town where Aristotle was residing for his damn 
research. He went to Egypt and founded the Library of Alexandria. This is all ridiculous, if you ask me. Back to topic. Aristotle continued to express that objects are not inherently nouns by convention. It only becomes a name when the language is applied to describe said object. That's what I like much more. Thank you, Aristotle. Yes, that's right. You are not a person until any entity, much like yourself, begins to evaluate and insert some form of communication that represents a memory of you. <coughs> the more I think about it, it becomes more clear that when a person is addressing you, a lot of what they are doing is going through the past memories of you as a reference in order to address you how they think is most appropriate. A lot of times people spend less mental power on understanding the moment that is currently in front of them. Think it has a lot to do with uncertainty and not knowing what is truly being observed. So, what the mind does, at least the human mind seems to do, is to form a memory in an assumption in an episodic memory with said regular memory. Then, they form an opinion. And, even if you're several years older and have done a lot more things and developed your mind and uh, all your stuff, they start to contradict what is really in front of them. Without being open to uh, new things, some people will continue to treat you a way that you don't deserve to be treated in. If you take it a step further and you had that person not listening to you to try to explain it, try to explain the fact that, you know, hey, you're different than you were 15 years ago and they are wrong, Many have this thing called confirmation bias and attention ignorance. That's right. So they keep on doing what they do because it's worked for them so far. And that dogma they have in their mind makes them feel secure about their reality. Poor, poor humans. I postulate that it takes a much more effort to stay in the now, especially when people get older and have more memory stored. Rather than accumulating more memory, I think a lot just avoid the new knowledge altogether because of what I said about how it works so far, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. A small portion was dedicated by Aristotle towards this thing he called the indefinite now. Specifically, not man. He claimed this expression has no term which belongs to it. It's not a sentence or a denial. I would argue that it is a denial because, uh, it is essentially saying that whatever object you're talking about is not a man. You can use it to call every object that isn't a man, not a man. This computer is not man. This microphone is not man. Your listening apparatus is not man. But that's okay. That damn uh, coronavirus is a not man too. He is actually a dirty, filthy, dead-beat bitch. Who? Huh? What do you say? Nothing. Don't make me make you my bitch. That's not nice. You just called me that. Someone listening into someone else's conversation? I can't help it. 
My pen is on the other side of your baffling. Yeah, you baffle me sometimes. Don't make me come over there. I don't take your do shit. What do you say? I said, I don't think I need to have the zit. Okay. Asshole. What? So, Aristotle finished part two with the statement that uh, of Philo and other expressions related don't constitute nouns, but rather predicaments. Nouns are in. Going further, using the terms related to of Philo is not, and even the contrary, are not erroneous or otherwise. For there is little context. No shit. That finishes part two. Now for part three. It's communicated that the sign of something conveyed, dependent on other words for meaning is a verb. I say bullshit. Running most certainly has a meaning. Are you to say running? And that meaning is there. Though I may not be uh, explicitly uh, coherent because my computer's running, my phone is running, my refrigerator's running, and I am not running. Although I should start up, get a little bit flabby here. Rather than a noun, a verb is the notion of time. Although the noun shit represents time, like I said, I didn't realize this. According to Aristotle, health is a noun, but to be healthy is a verb. Some people claim that uh, health can be used as an adjective, where that shit is used prior to a noun for description purposes. That is what line I draw. That is what health is. If you say the word healthy, it's still an adjective. The type of education, for instance, health education, is an adjective too. I don't know how being healthy is what you do, unless if you really think about it. Hmm. What you do results in being healthy, as if you use it as a noun. You use adjectives as nouns. That's the weird thing about English. A lot of other languages too. They talk about people as if they are their adjectives. Kind of asserts like a certain dogma, if you will. Much like how people have these memories of you and think you are this way because of this one thing that they have remembered. But if they go over it enough times in their head, their memories get distorted. Because that's how neurons work. So, finalizing part three, Aristotle puts the kibosh on his cake by believing that the hearer of expressions fix the attention of the receiver in order to present knowledge regarding the noun, making thus far the language being spoken as the most correct form of speaking. For once, the glorious interpretation of reality saturates people's perceptions. You get what you have today in society. Aristotle claims that there is yet to be another addition required to these expressions that he has spoken about thus far, which don't really mean much in opinion. So, we're gonna go into that with part four, I think, if I remember correctly. Part four, incoming quote.
I'm not gonna do that voice. Actually, you know who I could have or read it off? I could have the announcer. Announcer, where you go? Over here. Can you hop past Corona? Yes. Well, come on. Where do you want me to read, Gork? Right here, part four. Okay. A sentence is a significant portion of speech, some parts of which have an independent meaning, that is to say, as an utterance, though not as the expression of any positive judgment. Let me explain. The word human has meaning, but does not constitute a proposition, either positive or negative. It is only when other words are added, the whole will form an affirmation or denial. But if we separate one syllable of the word mouse, the part aus has no meaning in itself, but is merely a sound. In composite words, indeed, the parts contribute to the meaning of the whole. Yet, as have been pointed out, they have not an independent meaning. Aristotle. Yes, that's right. Now you can go. Oh, jeez. What crawled up your butt? What you say? You want to know? They want to know, folks. What crawled up my butt? I'll tell you what crawled up my butt. Nothing. This is the help I got. Look, he just walked away, not even say anything. He didn't even want to know. Goofy-sounding motherfucker. So let's get into the weeds, huh? We start chopping them down. I'm starting to think that Aristotle should have started out the book with defining what meaning is. Much like how Plato did in some of his books. If you really think about it, all sounds only have meaning dependent upon the people who are using the words. That's all. The meaning is subjective, arbitrary, depending upon time and speciation. But that's just what I have to say about that one. So, naturally, sentences have meaning because of their convention. In context, his old crusty finger pointed out something I think a lot of people neglect to take into consideration when they go heavily wrapped up in their own socially constructed perceptions of reality. Your speaking means something, but it not necessarily represents the truth. So, altogether, a whole book means nothing to me unless I understand the language. And even if I understood said language, if I don't get all the environmental features such as cultural or historical facts surrounding the book's whole purpose, there will be bits left out to my knowledge or left in my memory with questions surrounding the context of what they talked about. Like if I talked about my meninges scratching, do you know what that means? If you don't, go to the beginning. Maybe you'll find out, bastards. Some people, believe it or not, will say someone is stupid for not understanding the context fully if the person's being really ambiguous. You know, especially when people point out their opinions, like their facts. So sad. Unlike realizing a natural faculty of something, sentences have meaning due to only convention. Yes, that's right. 
So, they are only abstractions on the reality which you are experiencing. His old and crusty finger pointed out something I think a lot of people neglect to take into consideration when they go heavily wrapped up in their socially constructed perceptions of reality. Your speaking means something, but it's not necessarily the truth. Taking it a step further, Aristotle goes into how only propositions carry the capability of being correct or incorrect. Claiming that prayers are neither true or false, Aristotle lost me again with this statement, because I think if a prayer has the proposition that the big Papa Daddy will draw his attention directly to me if I pray to him, rather than all the people who have it in a manner I think is far worse than my own situation. Although this is not meant to be a straw man argument because I know a lot of people who do believe in some normality. You like that word, normality? It's a no one. I created it. Yes, I used the pneuma with spirituality. Normality. Mm. So, demanding the reader to follow Aristotle, he wants the reader to dismiss all types of sentences, except those which are propositions because he thought that all other sentences belong to poetry or rhetoric. Pah! That is a nonsense. But it also shows something historically significant, at least according to Aristotle. You think about it. I am happy. Yep. I am happy. Because the sky is blue. Yeah, both propositions. Affirmative. Yes. I sound awesome, and that is a fact. I do not sound like a frog. And even then, that sentence right there, like a frog. Similarly, if I'm not wrong, yes. But... Well, let them have it, because I don't know much of anything. I'm just learning here, folks. Now, like I always do for this episode, I will use a quote for part five. Part five quote. The first class of simple propositions is the simple affirmation. The next, the simple denial. All others are only one by conjunction. Aristotle. Well, thank you, buddy. Notice how I didn't ask for help around here? Corona not even paying rent? That son of a bitch. And that damn announcer dude. He not pay rent either. What is wrong with these people? They act like they can't get a job. You can most certainly get a job around here. Don't know what it is. Maybe like Uber Eats or something. Who you want handling your food other than the people necessary to make the food and for you to consume it? Who? Do you really want that? That seems like to defeat the whole purpose of not going out. And for me, some would say I need to go out for my own health because of all the viral load around here. Corona seems to be scratching all over the place. He scratched here, he scratched there, he scratched in his underwear. Jeez. 
Where were we? Ah, yes. The simple yes or no shall suffice with this one. Indubitably. Oh, I still wonder what category perhaps would fit in here. You know, because it's not denying or affirming anything. Maybe it's part of poetry, hmm? Or rhetoric. Yeah, I'd say a rhetoric. Try to get someone's imagination to think about something. Hmm. Continue reading this load of crap. One will come across the statement that you must utilize a verb in some fashion. Without one, a proposition, it is not. When one fact is present, then it is a single proposition, along with a string of facts is indicated, although in conjunction within its sentence, refers to many separate facts, so they are not a conjunction in and of themselves. Hmm. I wonder what, uh, you know, Aristotle would have thought about when I would say this. <clears throat> the behind of a female was spanked hard because she has been naughty, leading to rosy red cheeks. Whoa. Do you think he would have got his panties in a knot? Imagine that. Ancient man in toga wearing a thong. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Not a pretty sight. You can see the flies buzzing around right now. You know, since they didn't have much cleaning. Oh, the brown streaks. Ooh, in a G-string. Ooh, double ooh. How they keep their toga so white. Anywho, what my point is about that sentence is that, you know, each fact is separate there, but they all are related by the subject I'm talking about. So maybe that is a conjunction of affirmations. Then the animal man, Aristotle, wanted the reader to consent to call a single noun or verb only an expression, not a proposition. I beg your pardon. I will not do such a thing. I am designed to contradict you. Why? You must always question everything. Or must you? Must I must? Must I not? That is the question. Yeah, you should answer me. You, yeah. You, you, listener, right here, answer me. Go to social media, yeah. Oh, oh we have fun. <laughs> I'm so alone here. I'm stuck with such insolent fools. Where's Void? He not even called. I'm like halfway done. No, I'm not. This is a long-ass book. The reason why I have so much opposition towards what he just said is that calling someone healthy seems to be a proposition. How's that person doing? Frank, healthy. So now, I'm going to end part five with a quote. Announcer guy. Announcer guy. Go away. See what I get Bowwinkle over here. If you don't get that reference, look up old cartoon Bowwinkle. Rocky and Bowwinkle. I heard that. This is the kind of conversations I have. 
has nothing to do with me and how I talk to people, not at all. Everything to do with them and their demeanor, yep. Their reaction is their fault. Well, kind of. They take control of their own thoughts. Has nothing to do with me, though. Without further ado, the end of part five. Quote, to return, colon, of proposition one kind is simple, i.e., that which asserts or denies something of something. The other composite, i.e., which is compounded of simple propositions. A simple proposition is a statement with meaning as to the presence of something in a subject or its absence, in the present, past, or future, according to the divisions of time. Now Aristotle has communicated that a composite proposition is a proposition composed of multiple statements regarding the subject. Now, we go to part six. Part six opens up a can of whoop-ass by claiming that when you affirm something positive, you inherently deny the opposing claim to what you have affirmed, unless the people misunderstood how two claims can sometimes exist. And they do. Now I know I will be speaking out of turn here, but when have I not? Let's say that yes, perhaps COVID-19 easily spread and mutate rapidly. So far, it is also true that SARS number two has a more devastation effect on those with genetic traits, leading them to have a more problems, you know. But it's not publicly validated yet do studies on which those traits are. But the statement that the flu virus has mutated into forms thus far more devastating than that of that dead-beat coronavirus, sleeping in my closet and eating all my fucking food, I want you to know that the insecure feeling many get when a uh, they're ignorant of more facts because it's a different track record than they have ever known. We have limited data on the beginning of the flu in the society, so we don't really know what to go off of with that. You know, whether we should really be afraid or not, just embrace it or not. I have a feeling, though, that whenever a virus jumps from one species to another for the first time, there's a lot of exchanging going on between the genes, you know. Because those genes have the new host cell were not part of the virus's past. So, it may seem really scary, but I think it's not nearly as bad in a few decades, or generations even. But, that's just me, Gork, thinking. Oh, come to think of it. Vote Gork, presidential election 2020. Just write it in there. Hehe. <laughs> We'll really get them this time. Now the preceding paragraph Aristotle had put down there actually confirmed what I went on to talk about due to time. Yes, the Spanish flu is much more deadly than the cunt coronavirus. I don't hear anything yet. I tried to get them to hear that. Corona. Go away. Bitch. What'd you say? Can't. 
gonna get you. No, you're not. You lazy bitch. What you say? I come get you now. Whoa. Your breath stinks. Go away. See? Didn't take much heat out now. Out cold. Also, the flu virus, speaking out of term, is less dangerous because the process of natural selection allowed for more resilient people to grow. The coronavirus will be all new soon. And remember, as a well more documented disease, it will help humanity adapt faster for future viruses. Cross fingers, folks, because there's a bunch out there just waiting to creep up on you. Some will cause you to go nuts. Anywho, it's all rosy here. Relaying that they are uh, items which are universal and others which are individual, the natural flow of this, according to Aristotle, is that the flow of reality regarding subject is predicated by multiple subjects, i.e. humanity where the use of the name such as a dick is individual. At this point, I'd raise my hand and say, do you know how many dicks there are in the world? And then I imagine Aristotle to reply, I do not know the quantity, but I assure you if you are a dick, then that was predicated on a moment leading to your parents' decision to call you that. I had a feeling as to uh, where this was going, but I'm going to let the universal flow, I imagine to be apparent, to come on all over my face, on its own. I'm not going to force the situation to come on my face. Statements such as all men are white, as said by the book, is not universal because it's apparently dependent upon individual circumstances which leads to a, such a bland melanin landscape. So, even though universals are indicated within many propositions, when it deals with individual characteristics, such as skin tone, then it's not a universal. Aristotle seems to have a, some sort of fixation on hues of skin tone. I wonder why. For some reason, Aristotle implies that some people didn't understand that the statements man is not white and no man is white to be equivalent. I don't know why, because they clearly are not. If you think these statements mean the same thing, I want you to think long and hard. Long and hard. Because they're like contradictories. To complete this portion, Aristotle organizes the quote-unquote proper oppositions in this manner. Every man is a white and is contradictory to not every man is white. Then some men are white is contradictory to no man is white. And last but not least, man is white is contradictory to man is not white. All right, all white, all right, all white, all right, Aristotle. Let's go on to part 8, huh? So, whether or not the affirmation or denial, 
is uh, pertaining to a universal or individual characteristics, it is always single. So I guess the conjunction is a bunch of single affirmations or denials. Or I guess I was wrong. The exception to this rule is that if there are at least two meanings for the subject. The example Aristotle used is the expression that the garment is white. And if the word garment meant the garment of both horses and men, made this proposition not single. Ooh, it's in a relationship. Into further detail of how the statement is also the moment where it can be both correct and incorrect, which is end of part eight. Just to clarify, according to Aristotle, universal is like man has two legs. He thought like that, even though it's not universal because some men have one or no legs. Like saying, all men have two eyes. Oh, really? So that's a universal proposition? No. A universal proposition is to say, the species man is known for having traits such as having two eyes. And thus, I would say that is not universal no matter what, even if you're talking about the whole species, because void has one eye. There can only be one for void. Now, for part number nine. Aristotle spoke about when a proposition is strictly past tense, then it cannot be both correct and wrong. Again, including both universal and individual circumstances. Yet another exception goes into this observation of logic by means of how if a circumstance predicates the moment preceding, Moments will contradict the initial proposition, going into how reality doesn't change, even if individuals state or believe the contradictory. If the specified moment is in place, Aristotle conveys that it is plain, quote-unquote, to which statement is true, any other, false. And I agree with this, and I'd say, no shit. What happens is what happens. No matter what you think. Makes sense to me. Doesn't it make sense to you? I wonder if it made sense to Void. But I cannot know because Void is not calling me. He's too... That reminds me of that one song. Oh no, it's in my head now. Oh, damn it. Should I unleash this burden upon the listener? You know that song? I don't want to work. I just want to bang on the drums all day. That one. So, in the part number nine, I think this is my favorite quote so far from Aristotle. Even more awesome than the one about the predicable and predicate to predicabling and the predication. Yep. Incoming quote. 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 Now, if this be so, nothing is or takes place fortuitously, either in the present or in the future, and there are no real alternatives. Everything takes place of necessity and is fixed. 
For either he that affirms that it will take place, or he that denies this is in correspondence with the fact. Whereas if things did not take place of necessity, an event might just easily not happen as happened. For the meaning of the word fortuitous with regard to present or future events is that reality is so constituted that it may issue in either of two opposite directions. Again, if I think it's white now, it was true before to say that it would be white, so that anything that has taken place was always true to say it is or it will be. But if it was always true to say that thing is or will be, it will not be possible that is should be or not be about to be, and when a thing cannot come to be, it is impossible that it should not come to be, and when it is impossible that it should not come to be, as must come to be. All then that is about to be must of necessity take place. It results from this that nothing is uncertain or fortuitous, for if it were fortuitous, it would not be necessary. Aristotle. I agree. One hundred percent. I know. Everybody who worships the current dogma of uh, subatomic particles being random. Oh. Looky, looky. I got the void on the hooky. It's about time you were called. You there? Yes. Is this Gork? Yes. Sorry about that. I had a special delivery. I had to go over to. Yeah, you special, all right. Yes. What are you talking about? Something. Something, yes. Yeah, I just said a quote by Aristotle. He said... He said things happen out of necessity. Yes. And he said that's why everything is fixed in place and what will happen will always happen. He agree with me, Void. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was just talking about how, you know, the current dogma in the subatomic realm where they believe yes. everything random and beeping and booping. Yes. And I was just about to say that before they knew anything about genetics they didn't know how you know certain diseases come about they just thought it was a blessing or a you know god hating them or something wow. or remember remember when you read about medieval times when they would oh, have yes. the plagues oh yes yes yeah they were they were like oh what's this and it's all mystical then they'd blame it on words that people used. Oh. Yes. Pretty interesting stuff. Yes. Uh-huh. What, what else did he, what else was he talking about on other things that tie up two cells and more stuff, or were he still very clueless about that? Oh, yeah, totally clueless about that. Unless if he wasn't. But I haven't even gotten to that. This is actually more like over grammar. Gotcha. One moment. Okay. 
I got in a fight with Corona. Yeah, he not pay rent. It gave him black eye. Look, he not even paying attention. He called me, he not even paying attention. Hello? Yes, I'm saying you should take him out. What'd you say? You should take him out. Didn't they say we can't kick anybody out? Yeah, but we've had some time together. Oh, really? Yeah. He scared that one neighbor lady away. Oh, fuck. Maybe that would be his rent. Maybe I should put him on a leash and scare everybody who I don't like. You could put him out the front yard and dress him up as a scarecrow. But call him a scarecrow. Oh. Oh, that's good. Scare Corona. So, like I was going to say, that, you know, not knowing reality gets people scared. So their brain likes to assert, you know, their own belief in order to feel better about something that they feel uncertain about. Uh-huh. So they're pragmatic or dogmatic about it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And the probability is like the same thing. They've used probability for thousands of years already. Well, that's like the most logical thing, but I guess they're trying to mix the logical with the uh, astral or, or uh, unexplained, I guess. Well, I mean, people have been uh, arguing about things being either random or things coming from like a fixed position, you know. So they're saying your fate is sealed, basically, is what they're saying? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wow. Why, you don't agree? Um, I think maybe you have a little bit to say based upon your actions. But don't you know your actions are actually caused by your neurological connections? Oh, really? Yeah. If that wasn't true, then, you know, why would you study anything at all? I mean, if it didn't have a cause and effect, what's the purpose on studying something? I thought it was to learn from one's mistakes. Yeah, yeah, right. Why would one learn from their mistakes? Would it would it not be because uh, they want to be able to adjust their thoughts and their actions? Yes, I've heard the saying: "Failure is is the greatest uh, success." Yeah, I've heard that. I heard you either win or you learn. Exactly. All I'm saying is your actions are built off of memories, you know? Ah, uh, causality, basically. Yeah, I believe in causality. Yes. Nah, I don't know. I think they've uh, used probabilities like a tool is the best reason why they have probability because Probability is a logical, like, way to deal with the uncertain. Sorry, our phone is dinging. I'll mute it. Yeah.
talking to you on computer. Ah. Yes. So what else were you talking about? Lifestyles, uh, choices, Aristotle, what were you going on about? Verbs and nouns and propositions and sentences and denials and affirmations. Ah. Very riveting. Wait, someone's coming at the door. Hello? Who is it? It's me, Corona. What the hell are you doing over there? You're making a lot of rackets. I'm trying to record something very important. I just thought I'd do something nice. What? That's not like you. You usually just, you know, use everything from me and take what I have and then call me names and then start fights. I feel bad about it. You have e emotions? Yeah. Okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to cook for you. You're going to cook? That does not make any sense. You're going to get me sick, Karoma. You keep your six feet away. Please. Okay. You hear that void? Yeah. That sounds nice, but how's he gonna keep six feet away from your food if he's cooking it? I don't know. Maybe I could just take it with gloves and mask it and put it in the oven. I heard that. You're not the most hygienic thing out here. So? This guy. I tell you what, he tried, but he failed. Just let me try. Okay, okay. So, that's basically the end of part nine. Okay. <clears throat> Was it boring and entertaining? How'd you, uh, how'd you spice it up? I, uh, you know, I do my thing. I, uh, I talk about Aristotle's writing and I, I try to make it entertaining for the, you know, the future, future slaves. I mean, people. Yes. You want to hear some? Sure, yes. Okay. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Void is here listening to us. Or to me. Okay. So, like, all the other parts, I'm going to start number 10 with a quote. You ready, Void? Yes. Okay. Quote. An affirmation is the statement of a fact with regard to a subject, and this subject is either a noun or that which has no name. The subject and the predicate in an affirmation must each denote a single thing. I have already explained what is meant by a noun and by which has no name, for I stated that the expression not man was not a noun. In the proper sense of the word, but an indefinite noun, denoting, as it does, in certain sense, a single thing. Similarly, the expression does not enjoy health is not a verb proper, but an indefinite verb. Every affirmation, then, 
and every denial will consist of a noun in a verb, either definite or indefinite. Erastator. Did you get that? Yes. Sounds pretty riveting, huh? Void? Yes. It does? Yeah, it, yeah. Do it does? Yeah, actually, it's very uh, thought-provoking. That's what I thought. But if you think about it, Aristotle does not once use the word adjective. Oh. He calls health a verb. Verb, you know, you do health. That's, a, that's an interesting thing. Yes. Huh. Interesting. I try to justify it, though, because your body is working properly, therefore it's healthy, so it's doing health. Yes. Well, they probably spoke in different languages, and so they weren't didn't have very good descriptors. And so, you know, maybe it was also maybe bad translation or just things. Yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, like in Mandarin, in the other languages, they all, they all have different grammar. Uh-huh. So this is kind of ironic. I'm reading a book about grammar from a Greek person, but I speak English. Yes, so it's all Greek to you. Ha, 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 ha. What's so funny? I, I just made a stupid dad joke. Because when you say you don't understand it, something, it's all Greek to me. Wait, you're expecting a baby? No, no, no. It is lame joke that middle-aged men say. What about good jokes that middle-aged men say? Then it's not a boomer joke. A boomer? It is. What happened to dad? Uh, boomers can be dads, but boomer's a generation. So it's a, a old person joke that is not funny. But they're past mid-age. Yeah, they're, they're old. They're older than my my biological father. Yes. And he is 69. Oh, wow. Yeah, no shitting. He is 69. He that That is actually a noun for him, according to Aristotle. Oh, wow. My biological father is the same age. Who the what? My father that helped me with my delivery today was a uh, shipment today is the same age also. Whoa. You want to go into this now? No. What? <clears throat> well, not the fathers. I was just saying the similarities. That's where it ends. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, they both wear glasses. Yes. And, uh, according to Aristotle, they are both white. Yes. And that's not a universal, that's an individual trait. Yes. Yeah, that's what I learned today. Caucasian doesn't really make sense because it's in an area near Russia. The Caucasian Mountains. Yeah, a lot of geneticists believe that, you know... 
the peop that genetic trait that came from the Caucasian mountains. Yeah, that they split, and some went to Asia, and some went to Europe. Yes. And in Russia, some people have a lot of uh, you know Asian blood. Yes. Oh, because of uh, how uh, territories were close to each other and mixed. Yeah, and even Russia didn't even consider themselves a part of Europe. They thought they were like different. So, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, you know. I have nothing to say about this quote he has, besides what I said. Uh -huh. he, he kind of, like, has been beating the same horse that's been dead for a while, for a little bit. Like, he goes around and around in circles, like, in his mind, talking about the same stuff in various different ways. That was kind of redundant, but yeah, various ways. So you want to go to part 11? Oh, hey, hey, uh, tonight, around midnight, there's going to be a meteor shower. No way. Yeah. Should yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Earth Day, too, so. Whoa. These stars have aligned for Corona. Uh-huh. Hold on, I'm looking up the thing. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep on going. It's going to be 15 to 20 meteorites per hour will be visible on Tuesday night into early hours of Wednesday morning. Whoa. So, Aristotle wanted the reader to know whether uh, you propose one thing of multiple different items or a bunch of things regarding one, no matter the stigma behind what you propose, whether it is affirming or denying, there is no unity about it. Even though, you know, universally a bunch of people are men. So when he tries to do his uh, universals, you know, man has two feet or man has two eyes, which I talked about. I said it's not very universal because void has only one eye. There can only be one. Oh. You, uh, you prove Aristotle wrong there, void. Hello? What? You proved him wrong. About what? You know, man has two eyes. Is a universal. Well, technically I do. One real, one fake. Well, if you want to do that. Switching hairs. Yeah. Now I have twice as many hairs. So, like, many a man-made rule especially the ones Aristotle has, this one also has an exception. If those many things you affirm or deny, positively or negatively, are that which are like pieces to a puzzle forming to describe one thing, then, and only then, there is unity. Here's a quote from Aristotle. Thus, man may be an animal, and biped, and domesticated, but these three predicates combine to form a unity. Aristotle. Wow. Yeah. Then, then Aristotle wanted the consumer to understand that this doesn't mean that when a person describes single traits that are not viewed as essentially universal, but rather individual, such as white man or walking, don't combine like those universal traits. 
like two eyes and two feet. Wow. Yeah, second book of Aristotle does not even point out that there are sapiens of the homo, like I said, with only one leg or no leg. I also want to remind everybody that Big Papa Gork will stand up for the little folk who have only one leg. So you vote for Gork 2020. Should I tell you? Tell me what? I don't think you have enough time to be put on the ballot. I think you need to fill that right paperwork. What? There's paperwork? Oh, yeah. Oh. No, I told the listener to uh, write it on the ballot, like written ballot. Oh, okay, okay. Well, we'll overthrow them with a grassroots moment. Oh. You don't sound so thrilled. Oh, no, I was just, I was just worried. About what? You're not being able to and being discouraged. Discouraged by what? Uh, not being able to run. So after that, Aristotle, or after that quote, Aristotle used this uh, rule with exceptions to express why an answer either admitting or denying multiple truths or falsehoods is not a single proposition but a multitude of propositions hiding within one sentence. It's like purchasing a variety pack in bulk, you know. Uh-huh. Then Aristotle communicated about dialectical questions. Yeah, what this human meant was uh, by means of conveying such in his book is that questions such as, what is that, is not a dialectical question. No, 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 no. The receiver of a dialectical question must have the easy task of giving one of two answers, yes or no. Statements such as, he is a good shoemaker, are a no-no, according to Aristotle. If you are talking about a man who is good and also a shoemaker, you cannot combine them together. Wow. So just because a man is good and also a shoemaker does not make him a good shoemaker. Can't he be a good man and a good shoemaker? Yeah, but he's saying that if a man is good and just a shoemaker, to assume that he is a good shoemaker just because he's a good man is not right. Yes. So basically it is uh, good people may not be good at their jobs, simply. Exactly. Because uh, my uh, a dermatologist we know is a nice person. But one time she was looking at my dad and she's like, We need to send tests. And it turned out it was paint from when he was on that. And they're like, Oh, this is just paint. And so she laughed and she made a lot of mistakes. And then was not as good as our old one, never tired. This has me thinking, Void. Yes. What if one person is not good at one thing, but good at another? Yes. Then I was thinking about it. What if coronavirus makes good food? But he's not a people person. He does, you know, he goes from person to person really fast, though. Yes, without knowing. He hides in the bushes for a very long time. So it's too late. Yeah, he does. 
It also appears as though Aristotle went back to topic himself, Void. He went back he went back to the initial topic of unity based on propositions. Conveying Yeah, he was conveying that the predicates and other terms used to describe a subject which are not dependent upon each other or the subject being described for existence are not united. And here is a quote for him to back up his shit. Quote, take the proposition. Man is white of complexion and musical. Whiteness and the being musical do not coalesce to form a unity, for they belong only accidentally to the same object. Nor yet, if it were true to say that that which is a white is a musical, would be terms musical and white form a unity, for it is only incidental that that which is music is white, and the combination of the two will therefore not form unity, Aristotle. Wow. He's pretty hung up on the color white. I don't know. All throughout the book he talks about being white. Do you think he has pride in it? I don't know. Well, I mean... Maybe it was more, more about the ruling class. He was des describing the ruling class. I don't think so. Well... Well, he wasn't talking about being prideful. He was just using them as examples for his... You know, to prove his point. Yes. And then I'd also like to tell you right now that he was talking about those two subjects being accidental, even though he talked about how everything in reality occurs out of necessity, therefore not accident, and not frivolously being a bounced around in Randomville. Oh, there is an album that, had, uh, that came out from one of my favorite bands that actually had Socrates on the front with a bunch of graffiti all over his face. Ha 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 ha. Exactly. The music is very good. It's probably one of their best albums in several years. And uh, their name means Enter Hunter. There's Enter Shikari. They're very uh, cerebral and they talk about mental health and about, uh, about uh, social uh, social uh, stress and all that kind of stuff. Um, let me look up the title of the album. It may, may apply. So when you were, uh, when they first revealed the album cover, you were talking about uh, Socrates and I'm like this is hilarious because they're talking about him too and I think they came to the same conclusion you did that he was kind of a little bit full of it yeah pompous yeah yeah you know who also you know talks about like that in their music yeah a scapegoat oh yes 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 they specifically mention being inside one's head well, then you can't see what's around you. And then you can't see other people's point of view. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, I'm talking about the band. The name of the album is Nothing is True, Everything is Possible. That kind of contradicts Aristotle, too. Yeah. Boy, I, I, I think that's more about uh, uh, unwritten fate. But uh, faith is the possibility, maybe? According to what I think is that the only possibility is the one possibility. Oh, that's cool. 
You want to play Satan's advocate? What? Okay. Satan's advocate? Satan's advocate. Advocate? I'll give you an advocate. Just pass on with you. I heard what you said the first time. I'll kiss your abo. Perhaps the person's complexion is dependent upon the person because it has to do with the situation which has occurred. And although the complexion isn't known to have a direct link to musical ability, musical ability has to do with the subject, which also has the complexion. So they can be connected through the individual. No? What? Nothing. It was just very interesting. Wow, what? It was just very deep. You think? Yes, but it was just kind of saying a word salad with they trying to get the simple points across. Okay, let me try one more time, okay? Okay, okay. So since the person that you're talking about is both white and musical, the person who has the musical ability also has the same complexion, though the traits are not dependent upon each other. To be, they are dependent upon the same individual, uniting them through the one individual. What about that one? So is he just saying that one does not treat the other but it is greater if they're both that, is what you say. Is that true or no? That was me, not Aristotle. Oh. I was actually contradicting what Aristotle was talking about. Oh, about that. Because you say anyone can be great, is what you're saying. No, no. He was talking about since musical ability and being white are both incidentally a part of the subject matter, they cannot be united together in the sentence as a unity. So, it kind of even makes more sense if you talk about it, or you think about it, because then there's not really anything called white music or black music. Yes. Well, I mean, look at Eminem. I like Eminem's. Yes. They taste good. Yes, Marshall makes a good candy. So, Aristotle's concept of accident comes into play when he claims that it is no accident that a person has both, is both an animal and bipedal. I would say that this was an accident if the person is not bipedal. You know, therefore, Aristotle's definition of man is that of a person automatically becomes an animal part of a different species. Yes. What? Nothing, just a little bit exhausting. Sweaty? Sweaty? Huh. Moving heavy stuff. Oh. So stepping into the depth of the initial statement of this paragraph, accidents and traits on the species, you know, you could see that in addition to individual traits such as being white would be uh -huh. redundant to even call a person two-footed animal. Yes. So he's saying it's ridiculous to call a human an animal human, even though 
the human is an animal because man actually implies animal. Wow. Is he saying how it's ridiculous how they can be both man and animal if they say that if they're not different? No. He's saying it's basically redundant to say animal man like I've been saying. He's been contradicting me. Oh, wow. That fool. Wow. Yeah, how dare he? I have a quote for, you know, what he's saying about this stuff. You ready? Okay. We admit that the composite of expression, those are contradictory each to each, which have the verb to be its positive and negative form, respectively. Thus, the contradictory of the proposition, man is, is, man is not, not, not man is. In a contradictory of man is white, is man is not white, since either the positive or negative proposition is true of any subject. It will turn out true to say that a piece of wood is a man. That is not white. Aristotle. See what I talk about? He talk a lot about being white. Yeah. Yes. What do you think he was talking about? He's talking about how to form a proper sentence with the proper contradictory statements. Oh. And he was using that as an example. Hey, this phone thing, I think you you have a problem hearing me or something. No, it's just you're having long gaps and I'm, I think you're still trying to continue. At this point, I think uh, Aristotle is as tired as I am of this subject. His attention's... <laughs> what? I just laughed. It was a... I say that because his attention to what he is saying is drifting off from the subject at hand. Wow. Yeah, I don't see how speaking about not man is yada 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 turns into a piece of wood. You know what I mean? Yes. Perhaps I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong and someone knows, you can contact me on social media. Then he goes into based off perceived potential of actions a man may take. Aristotle said that statements based off of uh, future actions may or may, not be, may or may not be true. This I agree with. One could assert that me accepting my unknowing the future circumstances is me accepting probability. Like all statements, they will be proven either correct or wrong based off cause and effect principle. Probability is merely the tool, like I've said. Evolutionarily speaking, uh, this makes perfect fucking sense because in order to av avoid being killed, patterns based on types of species and sounds and yada 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 with their correlation sensations regarding, you know, those spooky species like a bear or wolf, those who survived are the ones who are able to form assumptions with their corollaries. And that's why the vast majority of humans, you know, hastily draw conclusions regarding, you know, items that they're talking about with ideas of imagining the probability of something happening. Now, Aristotle says that although the future is impossible for the mere animal mind to know until it becomes the past, in the end, the statement proves true or false. So although the imagination allows 
us to pretend that there are all these different outcomes that can happen because we have no idea. It is also limited by our range and imagination, which has to do a lot with various concepts you have, you know, sought after and formed in order to grasp your reality with your patterns, you know, like a stencil used to draw upon reality which you view. And then after re-shredding that poor horse that was already dead that he kicked thousands of times before, Aristotle went deeper into the ridiculous amount of variations many used for contradictory statements. One in particular which caught my eyes was the opposing statement of the exclamation as it is impossible that it should be, is not it is impossible that it should not be, but rather it is not impossible that it should be. At this point I would think that it would be a difference in opinion and subjective. Putting this part of the book to rest, only for me to think that he will re resurrect this topic in some other form later on in the book. Aristotle gives a list which shows the trend of what makes a sentence a direct contradictory statement to the other. Yes. So he doesn't like the way Yoda speaks in Star Wars. Oh, yes. Now in part 13, which oh, I wow. wish, yeah, I wish it was not there, but it was. He went into several paragraphs going into examples of opposites and such, which was just exactly what I was talking about he was going to do. Yep, and in concluding this part, Aristotle pointed out how universals are predicated by individuals, and that what needs to occur is what is only possible, which is the same damn thing again and again. So, putting sprinkles on the icing which he laid down on this shit cake, Aristotle noted that the principles of existence or non-existence are formed by necessity or not necessity, which makes Perfect sense to me, you know, once again, beating that horse. Exactly. Then, for the end, thank goodness we are finally fucking done with this dumbass book. Part 14 is like a ribbon or a bow being put upon this flaming box of shit. He used two truly opposing propositions, cannot be both correct out of necessity. Oh my god, this part is like 13 paragraphs long, and it talks about the same shit. So, if you want to uh, read this book yourself, and get really, really satisfied by reading this nonsense, you can get it for free at MIT. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Now they can share along with us. Next topic will be prior analytics, Void, so you can get it for free on MIT. You better read now. Oh, yes. You have all this time off. You can read. Oh, yes. Yeah, then we can bitch about it together. No, I think it would be a lot better, because this won't be going over grammar of a different language than English, which it was translated into. Oh, yes. So, like last week, I published the episode with a new song that wasn't Escape Out, but was the guitar player of Escape Out. Uh-huh. The guitar player wanted to do it again. Oh, wow. What do you think? Should we allow him? Yes. Okay. So, until next time, we leave in peace. Bye. Yes. Bye-bye.
Thank you.